Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about GMOs with help from a special guest from the Food and Drug Administration and a trick for hearing someone in a noisy room. Let's satisfy some curiosity. If you see anything about GMOs on your food packaging, chances are it's some phrase like non-GMO or GMO-free. And that might make you wonder, does that mean that GMOs are bad? I mean, what even is a GMO anyway? Well, today we're laying out the basics of GMOs with an expert from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, also known as the FDA. Dr. Patrick Cornoyer is a regulatory scientist at the FDA who works to ensure the safety of food from genetically modified plants. Patrick explained that GMO stands for Genetically Modified Organism, and it refers to plants or animals that have been modified through genetic engineering. We asked him why GMOs exist in the first place. Scientists have been developing GMOs for the same basic reasons that humans have been breeding and modifying crops for thousands of years. So for higher productivity, less loss due to pests and diseases, longer shelf life, better appearance, better nutrition, or any combination of, of those traits. Back in the 1980s, scientists started coming up with new ways of making really specific modifications to crops and doing it faster than they could have through regular plant breeding. And these are techniques that we refer to generally as genetic engineering. And so genetic engineering usually moves one or two genes into a plant. And for context, plants naturally have in their total DNA tens of thousands of genes. So scientists will use genetic engineering to take a single beneficial gene, let's say a gene for disease resistance, and then introduce it directly into the recipient plant's DNA. If they tried to bring in a gene like this through regular crossbreeding of different plants, it would bring a lot of unwanted genes along with it. And then it would take years of repeated crossbreeding to get just the beneficial gene without all the unwanted genes. So for comparison, if you were just trying to improve crops the old fashioned way through traditional breeding, it would be like taking, let's say, a bowl of salad and then taking one serving and hoping to get exactly one cherry tomato and no croutons. It could happen, but it would take a lot of tries. And in the end, you might not get exactly what you were looking for. And so genetic engineering takes a lot of the randomness out. And so you get what you're looking for faster. I mean, you know, the way you put it, it kind of just sounds like a more advanced version of how we've been creating new kinds of plants for generations. But with this new version, I think a lot of people might wonder, are they safe to eat? Yeah, you know, they are. And, and that's what my role is in the government. And there are multiple federal agencies making sure that GMOs are safe in various ways. So at the FDA, we make sure that the developers of GMOs understand how important it is to have a safe food supply. And we make sure that they follow the rules that are in place to make sure that food is safe. GMO foods are carefully evaluated before they go on the market to make sure they're as safe as any other food. And these evaluations over the years have shown that the GMOs that are in our food supply today don't affect you or your body any differently than non-GMO foods. In fact, some GMO foods have been modified to improve their nutritional value. So for example, there's a type of GMO soybean out there that's been modified so that the vegetable oil they produce is healthier and has some attributes that make them a healthy alternative to trans fats. Hey, if you're part of evaluating them, does that mean you get to eat a lot of these foods? 
<laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that these foods are in the food supply too. So when we evaluate them, it's a lot of fun sometimes, especially when it's the new type that's not very common. We, we try to seek it out and get a taste of it as soon as we can. Nice. Nice. So uh, let's get, I guess, a bit specific about the foods that are using GMOs, or the foods with GMOs in them. What are some GMO foods that the average listener might be familiar with? Sure. So there's a lot of them. In terms of crops that have been genetically modified that are on the U.S. market right now, we're talking about alfalfa, apples. For example, we evaluated non-browning GMO apples and, and you asked, you know, do we go seek them out and, and try them? Um, and definitely, you know, the non-browning apples were something that we looked up and tried to taste after we evaluated them. Um, after apples, there's canola, which is used for oil, uh, corn, cotton, which also is used for vegetable oil, papayas, a pink fleshed type of pineapple, potatoes, some of which are non-browning as well, like the apples, soybeans, summer squash, and sugar beets. So those are plants. In terms of animals, there's a farm-raised Atlantic salmon that's on the market right now. There's also a pig that's been approved for use in food, although that's a very specific type of pig that we don't expect is in the mainstream food supply right now. So, you know, I mentioned a lot of different plants, a lot of different crops, but most of the GMO crops grown right now are grains and oil seeds that are used in food for animals like cows and chickens and fish. They're also used to make ingredients like sugar, oil and starch in foods like cereals and chips and salad dressings and things like that. So you won't find a whole lot of GMO fruits or vegetables in the produce section of a grocery store right now. So the main way that you would encounter GMO foods is in packaged foods that are made with ingredients that come from GMO crops. I have another quick follow-up question. What do you mean non-browning? So, you know, when you cut a apple or a potato or the best example is probably an avocado, right? You make guacamole and it turns brown real quick. So that's actually a very easy thing to adjust in a plant using genetic engineering. So it's really easy to turn off the process that makes those things turn brown. And so that can readily be achieved. And so there are apples and potatoes on the market right now that after you slice them, they won't turn brown through that oxidation process, that really quick browning that, that can be annoying. You know, once you've made some sliced apples, they don't look too good um, after a couple hours. Is that just an aesthetic thing or does that help with food waste and stuff like that? Is there, are there more reasons for that? So when it's in your kitchen, you know, it's mainly aesthetic and maybe you'll throw away those apples or potatoes after they've turned brown. But in processing facilities, so let's say where they make um, French fries and they make potato chips, those potatoes or those chips and, and fries that have turned brown for purely cosmetic reasons will be rejected. Um, they'll be kicked off the conveyor belt or something like that. So if these crops get integrated into food processing, let's say, it can contribute to um, reducing food waste. I guess that means that food waste is only skin deep. Again, that was Dr. Patrick Cornoyer, a regulatory scientist at the FDA. Patrick will be back tomorrow to talk about the new GMO foods that he's most excited about. And in the meantime, you can learn more about GMOs at the FDA's Feed Your Mind website. You can find a link to that in today's show notes. All right, picture this. You're in a noisy room and a friend is trying to tell you something, but it's hard to make out what they're saying. And if they're wearing a mask, I mean, forget about it. Is there a trick to understanding them? 
Well, according to new research, yes. Look at their face. Looking in their direction actually boosts your brain's ability to key in on their speech, even if you can't see their mouth. Researchers have known for a long time that when someone is talking, the people listening use the sound of their words and the sight of their lips, facial expression, and body language to figure out what they're saying. That's especially important when there's other noise that might be distracting, like other conversations in a noisy restaurant. Reading lips is a big part of this story, especially for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. But innovative research conducted during the pandemic shows that simply looking in the direction of someone who's talking makes it a lot easier to understand what they're saying. Researchers had volunteers listen to pairs of speakers who were talking over each other. The volunteers were told who to listen to and where to look on a screen. After they heard the mashed up audio, the volunteers were asked to look at a list of words and identify which one their speaker had said. Sounds easy, right? Well, that depends. Some participants saw videos of the speakers as they talked, others saw photos of the speakers, and some simply saw a white cross meant to focus their attention on either side of the screen. And in some runs of the experiment, the audio they were listening to came from the same direction they were told to focus on, and in others, it came from the opposite direction. The difference was only 30 degrees, slightly to the left or to the right. But that small change of direction made a big difference. Participants found it a lot easier to understand speech when they were looking in the direction it came from. This wasn't just lip reading. It appears that people's brains find it much easier to focus on and understand speech when their eyes are looking in the direction the speech is coming from, even if they can't see the speaker's face. They found that this becomes more and more important as the background noise gets louder. So, the next time you're struggling to understand what someone is saying, be sure you're looking right at them even if they're wearing a mask. Your brain will thank you, and they probably will too. Before we recap what we learned today, we wanted to give you a heads up that if you follow Curiosity Daily, then you'll be getting a bonus podcast in your feed tomorrow. Early Friday morning, we're going to give you a sneak preview of a new podcast from Discovery called Dogs 101. Now, if you listen to Curiosity Daily on a smart speaker or as part of a daily news briefing, and don't worry, you will still hear a brand new episode of Curiosity Daily as planned tomorrow. But if you open an app on your phone every day, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, then don't be surprised when you see a full episode of Dogs 101 in addition to your daily dose of curiosity. And we encourage you to check it out because it's pretty good stuff. But right now, let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that scientists have been working on GMOs for the same reasons humans have been breeding and modifying crops for thousands of years. Things like making foods last longer or growing them to be more nutritious. And they are safe to eat. In fact, some GMO foods have been modified to improve their nutritional value. But you won't find a lot of GMO fruits and vegetables in the produce aisle right now. Instead, the main way you'll encounter GMO foods is in packaged foods that use GMO ingredients. This has been a big sticking point for you for a long time. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, full disclosure. I am an unabashed fan of GMOs. I think it's really cool technology. Has every company that has ever made a GMO been absolutely squeaky clean and above board? No, there have definitely been issues in the past, but that's not a reason to throw out the, the entire technology itself. And that technology can really help with problems with malnutrition and, you know, getting everyone enough to eat. 
and also really cool stuff like changing the color of, of certain fruits and vegetables and making things a little bit healthier and, and reducing food waste. There's so many things that GMOs can do. And we're going to hear a little bit more about those benefits when Patrick Cornoyer comes back tomorrow. Yeah, it was really fun to learn about. And shame on you marketing people that are constantly touting non-GMO stuff. Because, you know, then the implication is that it's good if it's non-GMO and then people start to have negative associations and then it's just no good for anybody. So hopefully this helped re-educate you and you learn more from this episode than you do from packaging of various things at your local grocery store. Yeah. We also learned that if you're having trouble understanding someone in a noisy room, make sure you're looking right at them. Even if you can't see their mouth, even if you can't see their face, New research suggests that simply looking in their direction will help your brain focus on what they're saying and better understand them. An excellent life hack just in time for your next holiday party. For those of us who have holiday parties. This is really helpful for me. I've definitely had experiences in the recent past where I'm trying to talk to someone in a noisy room. We're both wearing masks. For example, there is a lovely cocktail bar locally that requires proof of vaccination for you to come in and everyone wears masks. And I was trying to talk to someone in this bar and it was hard to understand him. And what we were doing to try to fix that was to talk closer to each other's ears. So our heads were sort of parallel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it didn't it didn't help a lot. And I'm realizing that might be why I couldn't see his face when I was in that position. So maybe we just need to try to talk to each other face to face and things will be a little easier. See, whenever I go out now, I talk like a Power Ranger. So I wildly wave my fists around. And, yes. Yeah. See, I thought that was because I had spent so much time on Zoom. And, you know, like talking over people on Zoom is sort of bad etiquette. So I do a lot of big nodding and I, I make hand gestures when it's not my time to talk, but I want to let people know that I agree with them or I have something to say. But yeah, I feel like the Power Ranger thing is good, good too, because... People can't always understand what you're saying in a mask. Yeah, that's right. I love GMOs. They're very cool. <laughs> Should have saved that for the end. Actually, speaking of looking at people directly, it's going to sound very strange, maybe. But I have found that in my relationship, I feel much closer to my wife when I look directly at her when we're talking that this sounds that sounds like a dumb thing to say. It's like, of course, you're going to look at the person you're married to. But if you think about it, at least in my experience, a lot of time, the longer you spend with somebody, and I think there is research to back this up, the less often you actually look directly at them. Hmm. And so you start to look less at the person. And I'm like re-engaged, I guess, and just re kind of like connected when I like we're in the kitchen and it's easy for you know me to be you know running around the cabinets. She's picking up the baby, moving them around, you know, whipping something up. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can spend large amounts of time with the person you're with without even ever looking at them. But when you do look, just like take a second. I try to do that every morning. Like I take a second, you know, she get, we get up or whatever and I look at her and I'm just like, hey, it's you. I'm very happy to be here. This is a good thing. And it's, I don't know, I just always feel better about it. So there's a weird little side life hack that might sound really obvious, but I promise is maybe not as intuitive as, as you may think. No, that's great. Yeah, eye contact is wonderful. My husband has dreamy eyes. I'm totally, totally in favor of this. He does. His eyes are so <laughs> dreamy. He does have dreamy eyes. It's true. 
The writer for today's Noisy Room story was Grant Curran. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who's also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. This podcast is not GMO-free, but you know what? That's okay. So join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.